Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 70. And this is part two of six on what you need to know in order to run your first 50K. In the last episode, we talked about goals and expectations. So if you haven't already listened to that one, I would highly encourage you to do that because goals and expectations, these are the foundation to a rock solid training plan and a training experience. So you really need to get those locked in. Um, In this episode, we're gonna talk about every everyone's favorite subject. (laughs) It should be no surprise uh, that it's one of my favorite subjects, which is training plans. So way back in episode four, we talked about how to write your own training plan. So make sure you go back and listen to that one if you haven't already before you listen to this one. Because in that episode, we cover like the nuts and bolts of writing a training plan. And that's information that you'll need in order to understand what we're going to talk about today. Today, I want to continue the training plan conversation with the goal of helping you dial in your own training plan and avoid some of the common mistakes that I think take down first-time ultra runners. So we're going to talk about three mistakes to avoid when writing your first 50K training plan and three things that every good training plan should include, okay? So you can take notes if you want, but if you're listening to this while you're running or driving, just listen and then come back and maybe make some notes. And I would also encourage you guys to actually pull up your training plan. If you're listening and you can do that right now, do it. But if you can't come back to this and sort of look at your training plan through these lenses, okay? Are, am I making these mistakes? And does my training plan have these three things? So let's just dive right in. First things first, let's talk about three mistakes to avoid. Number one, and these aren't in any particular order. Number one, not giving yourself enough time to train. This is a big one. I guess if I had to put these three things in order, I would put this one at the top because this is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making. Just flat out not giving themselves enough time to train. And I get it. I have done this too. You get so excited about a race that you sign up for it without really pulling out your calendar to see just how many weeks it is until the actual race day. And then when you do that, you sort of have this oh shit moment (laughs) and it puts you in a tight spot. And I think this is where a lot of the stress and the anxiety and the injury of ultra training comes in. So that begs the question, how much time do you need? Well, I always advise, and what I love to do is plan out 20 to 24 weeks if you have it. And especially if you're new to ultra running, 24 weeks on the high side is really the amount of time that you want to devote to yourself. Now, some of you guys are listening to this and thinking that's way too long. Some of you guys are thinking, really? I thought maybe I would need longer. It's all relative, but there is some science around this number of 20 to 24 weeks. Okay. And I also encourage giving yourself more time because life happens Um, You're going to miss weeks of training. That's a given because of work or family or travel or events or you get sick. Like stuff is going to happen. And so if you're trying to cram your training into, let's say, 14 weeks, that's going to put undue stress and pressure on you mentally, physically and emotionally. So if you can do it, give yourself enough time. Okay, really pull back and look at the calendar and map it out. Take the time to look at it. And you can even 
figure out when some of the maybe bigger life events, like maybe you're going to a wedding or you have to take a business trip, whatever, you can actually work those in proactively versus reactively when you're sort of under the gun and you have to make dicey decisions about what workouts to keep and what what workouts to boot. Okay, so that's number one, not giving yourself enough time to train. Number two, not enough training specificity. And what do I mean by training specificity? Well, basically doing the things that are going to prepare, to prepare, to preparate is what I was going to say, to prepare you for your race. So how you would train for a race with a lot of elevation change versus a totally flat race, that's different. Like you wouldn't do the exact same training plan for those two races. And so You need to be strategic with where you train so that you're getting adequate time on the terrain that you'll face on race day. Now, I will say that this one can be tricky because if you don't live anywhere near where you're going to race, you're going to have to get creative. Like if you live in an urban environment, like if you live in New York City, but you're going to do a mountain race, then It's going to be tricky, but not impossible. And it's definitely going to require you to either travel or get creative with your training. So really having a look at what your race is going to require specifically and building that into your plan. And if we actually stack this mistake with the previous one, not giving yourself enough time to train, it can be a real big problem. Like if you're trying to cram your training into 14 weeks and you're only doing, let's say, a race-specific training session once every other week, that's only seven sessions. Like let's use the example of urban living mountain race. That's only seven times that you're going to get to the mountains. Like that's not really enough. And if you are only doing, let's say, an hour During those seven sessions, that's only seven hours out of your whole training plan that you're devoting to working on the skill that's going to help you during that race. Now, this is sort of an extreme example, but I'm hoping that it demonstrates the point that you really have to think about what's the race I'm doing What's the elevation change? What's the terrain going to be like? What are the conditions going to be? Hot, cold, rainy, super dry. Like all of those things, we have to take them into account and then maybe try to replicate them, especially if they're conditions that we're not familiar with, okay? So this is also going to require you to do a little bit of self-assessment and sort of understand where your skill set lies because maybe you are actually really good at climbing using that mountain race example, but you're not really good at doing the long flat sections. So really taking a hard look at your training plan, where you're going, and then assessing your skills and trying to give yourself extra or even just adequate, I would take just adequate amount of time to prepare for that race. Okay. So have a good look at your training plan. Make sure there's enough uh, training specificity in there to get you comfortable with what you're going to face on race day. Okay. And so this is one of those big mistakes that I want to help you avoid. Number three is not enough movement variety. You guys know I'm big on movement variety, the more the better, and I think it would be a weird podcast episode if I didn't talk about movement variety in some way, shape, or form. But unfortunately, what I see is a lot of plans that only have running on them and copious amounts of running. And this is a surefire way to end up burnt out, 
overtrained, injured, the list goes on. Especially if those plans don't have the three things that we're going to cover next, right? Those three things that every good training plan should have. If you don't have enough movement variety and all you're doing is running, you're going to end up in one of those scenarios, burnt out, overtrained, or injured because... I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but the short formula for how you get injured is the load exceeds the capacity of what your body is capable of. Okay, that's a really simplistic definition, but I think it really helps you to conceptualize the prerequisites that you need in order to do the thing that you're going to do. Okay, we sort of like alluded to that with the training specificity. Um, and we can kind of take this even further. So if you live in an urban environment and you want some more movement variety, that's great. You can go to the mountains, but then don't just like go full bore, right? And do like seven hours in the mountains in one stretch. We also have to build up to that over time. So I know I'm sort of muddying the waters and talking about a couple different things here, but really the main point I want to make right now is not enough movement variety. And I get how confusing this can be when it comes to adding in the other elements of a training plan. Um, Strength, mobility, uh, cross training, whether that's walking or biking or hiking or swimming or, you know, doing other things. It took me a while to figure out how to juggle all of these things and create a schedule that worked for my body and for my actual lifestyle and my work schedule. So I promise that it's doable, it's possible, but it is going to take some effort and some time and some practice from you to sort of parse out what works and what doesn't. Okay. But as a general rule, here's, uh, the, the kind of components that I like to have in a plan. So my running plan is based on runs four times a week, walking or cycling two to three times a week, depending on what's going on, strength training two to three times per week and mobility, I made a note to myself here every damn day, because basically that's what it comes down to. Every damn day we do a shakedown or we do some sort of mobility, joint mobility that's uh, specifically focused on a skill that I need to acquire or an area that needs attention. Okay. And so this is part of that self-assessment process that we're always kind of, I use this analogy sometimes in the movement classes that I teach, visualize you just a, a big photocopy machine. For those of you guys that know what a photocopy machine is, like we don't see those a lot these days, but back in the day in my early office jobs, I would have to photocopy a lot of things. So I visualize this big photocopying machine, big enough that I could actually lay my whole body on top of it. And just like it takes a scan or an image of the paper that you want to copy, you're actually scanning down through your body and trying to figure out, okay, what needs work? And you're going to use this time as you're scanning to sort of assess what's going on. Okay. So what I outlined might seem like a lot in terms of the running, the biking, the walking, the strength training, the mobility might seem like a lot to some of you and, and perhaps not to others. Like some of you guys might be doing more. It's all relative, But this is why learning how to personalize the plan for you is so important and learning how to assess yourself, what your needs are, what your capacity is, and what the current load, you know, the load of training that you're putting in there so that you understand sort of what's your breaking point, right? Load, if it exceeds the capacity, is going to turn into an injury or it's going to turn into overtraining or it's going to turn into burnout. That equation sort of works in the greater context of training. 
But we actually go into more detail on how to parse this out for you specifically and run your first 50K. But for now, my advice would be to just start keeping track of how much movement variety you're getting on a daily or weekly basis. And if all you do is run, I would really encourage you to swap one or more of those for something else. So if you're somebody who's running seven times a week, that's too much. You definitely want to have a look at starting to swap one or more of those workouts for something else, because over time, that's just going to lead to an overuse injury if you're not getting any other movement variety. Okay. Um, I actually want to throw in a bonus tip here, uh, a bonus thing, a mistake that you want to avoid, and that is inconsistent training. So you really need to be training consistently versus sporadically. And this is why I'm such a proponent of scheduling your time. I um, This is something I teach and run your first 50K. And I was thinking about doing just an episode on it coming up to uh, show you what I'm talking about, but I'll touch on it now so that you can start to wrap your head around it. Um, I used to, back in the day when I first started out, I used to just sort of cram my training into my schedule wherever it happened to fit. And this is why I talk about cramming training so much because I used to do it and it didn't work. And I see lots of you guys fighting me on this. (laughs) So I'm going to continue to bang away on this drum. But one day I sort of had an epiphany. Um, about my running goal. And I thought to myself, if this goal is it is as important as I say it is, then why aren't I scheduling my time according to its priority? Like, if this is such a big fucking deal, and this is so important to me, then why do I spend the least amount of time on it? <laughs> okay. Uh, the old adage that sort of came into my brain when I was thinking about this was what you focus on increases where we, where you place your attention, that's where you're going to go. All of those same, same things. So my time wasn't being allocated to the thing that I kept telling everybody and myself was so important to me. So I took a, a hard look at how I was spending my time, uh, and, and started to make some changes. It didn't happen overnight. I didn't just like snap my fingers, but eventually I started to get into a habit, a rhythm, a flow of how things worked for me. And then I just started to replicate that. And the big part of this, you guys, is actually saying no. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but part of getting really good at training means saying no to things that don't feed into the bigger goal that you've identified for yourself Hence, the reason why going back to the goal episode, the previous episode, is so important, okay? So consistent training is what is going to help you develop the skills you need to complete your race. If you only train, let's just say, every third or fourth day of the week, that's super inconsistent and not going to cut it. Okay. So go back to thing number one from this list, not giving yourself enough time to train. And if you mix these two things together, not enough time, like the total volume of time and you're inconsistent, you're really going to be in trouble. It's going to be hard to overcome this set of circumstances and achieve a positive result. Like the equation, the math just doesn't work here. Okay. So inconsistent training, that's another mistake that you want to avoid. So that's a bonus, bonus mistake. All right, let's switch gears. So we just outside outlined three of the mistakes that you want to avoid making. Now let's talk about three things that every good training plan should have. Um, these I think are also kind of in no particular order, but I guess if I had to put them in order, thing number one 
would would be the most important and that is that your training plan follows an up down cadence now this is where you will need to have listened to episode four and maybe even downloaded the pdf that goes along with episode four that outlines all of this so that you know what i'm talking about but basically an up down cadence means that your plan builds mileage and intensity maybe for a couple of weeks and then it backs down reduces the mileage or intensity to help you recover for the next up phase. So if your plan builds from the time that you start from week one, all the way up to race day at week 24, that is a recipe for disaster. If you never get a break, if you never back down on mileage, if you never reduce the intensity, this can lead to overuse injuries, burnout, overtraining the whole nine yards. Okay. Long before you ever get to race day. So many free plans and plans that I see, they don't do a good job of teaching up down. And lots of people think that if they take time off or if they're not constantly building mileage, that they'll lose the fitness that they've gained. And actually the reverse is true. If you just keep hammering away on your body, you don't build the ability to recover, regenerate, renew, all of those words, your ability to do it again, you just keep hammering away. If you think about if there's a drip of water hitting a rock on the ground, over time, that drip actually creates a little indent and then it creates a a hole where the water just has worn away the stone. And that's basically what's happening when we don't give our bodies any rest. So the very first thing that your your training plan should have is a good up-down cadence. And we talk a lot about that in episode four. We talk a lot about this in Run Your First 50K, but this is important. So definitely figure out how to work this into your plan. The second thing every good training plan should have is that every workout on the plan has a specific objective. So every workout should accomplish something, meaning that's a zone two workout. Let's just talk specifically about run running workouts that are on the plan. Zone two, speed, hills, go back to the previous list, the three mistakes, not enough training specificity. This is how you would build some training specificity. Every single workout has an objective. You, you're not just going out to log miles for the sake of logging miles. More isn't always better. So if you're feeling like you need to do more, make sure that it aligns with your plan and that there's an actual reason to do the run, not just because you have ants in your pants, as my grandmother would say, like, and you just feel like you should, in air quotes, be going out and doing more. If you can justify the objective, if the objective meets the bigger goal, then yeah, maybe you can. If it falls, and this is sort of where... There's like a a decision hierarchy. Again, we talk about this more in Run Your First 50K. Like, well, how do I decide whether I should go out and do more? This is kind of a whole conversation that (laughs) rabbit hole, really, we could go down. But you want to just make sure at the very base level that there's an objective for every workout. And this will help you to sort of get rid of the junk runs, the junk miles that aren't really accomplishing anything. And it will actually give you a bit the ability to rest and recover versus falling victim to the shoulds and going out and doing stuff when you think you should, but it doesn't actually meet the objective for the workout or for the whole plan on the, on the overall. Okay. 
Um, the other thing I want to mention here is one of the main tenants of my ultra training is fun. So this is sort of a separate aside, but going out for a run just for fun, whether it's with friends or without, is a viable option that is a specific objective. Okay, so if you know if you're wanting to go out for a run just for fun, that's okay. It doesn't actually have to be only zone two or only speed or only hills or only like the hard stuff. You can go out with the specific objective of having fun because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to do it over the long stretch of time, right? We talked about how long your training plan should be. And when it comes down to it, 20 or 24 weeks, that's a long time. So if you're not having fun for 24 weeks, it's going to be pretty hard to show up consistently, Okay, so work the fun into the plan. Every workout has a specific objective, including just for fun. JFF, just for fun. I made that one up on the fly. Okay. (laughs) Um, Last but not least, the third thing that every good training plan should have is back-to-back long runs. Now, I know that some people will argue with me about this one. Bring it on. (laughs) The past couple of weeks, I have gotten a lot of messages and a lot of emails from people. I can't remember. I must have mentioned it in maybe Lindsay's episode, maybe, or my Tahoe training episode. And so it brought this onslaught of people asking questions and and kind of not necessarily arguing with me for about long runs, like arguing with me that they don't want to do them or don't have time for them. But if that's your position, that's fine. I get it. You're trying to justify your position, but here's why I think that's a mistake. So back-to-back long runs are basically the best way that I have found to help you prepare for what it'll feel like in the late stages of your race. So for those of you guys that are worried about not being able to complete the distance, I would highly encourage you to work these into your training. If you've done a marathon and you basically only trained up to mile 20 and then the last six miles were like death warmed over, you just, you, you weren't really prepared for those six miles. This is sort of the feeling that doing back-to-back long runs will acclimate you to. So there isn't that guesswork, will I be able to, won't I be able to, what will it feel like, how will I handle it, what will my mental state be? This is a way for you to work that into your training and have some insight into that so that it's not so much of a fear for you before the race. So I would definitely recommend it, especially when it comes to running your first 50K. There's a lot of fear around whether or not you can do it. And this helps to eliminate that, okay? This is going to be how you build up to that and test yourself so that you know what it's like. Now, back-to-back long runs um, don't have to be two really big back-to-back double-digit days. This is sort of all relative. And again, we talk about this in Run Your First 50K, um, but how to how to parse that out. I honestly love for people to just start running on back-to-back days. So even if you're doing two three-mile runs, one on Friday, one on Saturday, or one on Saturday, one on Sunday, whatever, just back up two days to one another And that will start to give you the feeling of what it's like to do back-to-back long runs. And then when you're ready, you just start to do longer back-to-back runs. Um, 
So yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Just kidding. I know, I know you guys aren't going to argue with me about it, but you'd actually be surprised the number of people who really fight for running, resting, running, resting, running, resting. And that's a viable strategy, you guys. But what I'm proposing is that if you do these back-to-back runs, you will get a glimpse into the later stages of your race that are quite literally the most unknown for a lot of people and give people the most stress and anxiety and overwhelm when they start to think about, oh, can I really do this? All right. So those are the three things that every good training plan should have an up, down cadence, specific objectives for every workout and back to back long runs. Like the list is much longer, obviously, but if I had to pick three things that I think every good training plan should have, if you do nothing else, Like if you screw up everything else, but you actually follow these three things, I still think you'll be in a good place. Okay. So if you're getting ready to run your first 50 K, I want to help you get started on the right foot. No pun intended. Um, and so I'm going to be giving away the first 10 weeks of my 50 K training plan from the run your first 50 K program. Okay. So if you're new to this ultra thing, if you're going to be doing your first 50 K, if you want to make sure you're training in a smart way, if you want to compare your current training plan to mine, um, and you want to do everything that you can to be successful, go snag this plan. Okay. To get it, you're going to go to my website, megan-gould.com forward slash 10 week plan, the number 10 week plan, all one word. Okay. I want to actually end this episode by reading an email that I got from a listener the other day, um, because I think many of you guys can relate. So let me pull it up here so I can read it to you. Okay. It's from Kendra and she says, hi, Megan, I have been meaning to reach out and tell you once again, how much I love your podcasts. Thanks Kendra. Uh, but after listening to your tough love tough love episode today, it gave me the final push to email. I was midway through my long run and just not feeling it. Totally. I can totally relate to that, Uh, which is actually the whole reason I made that episode. Side note, Uh, that episode came on and lit the effing fire under my ass to get my priorities in order. Yes, Kendra. I am 106 days away from my big race. I love that you're doing a countdown uh, and feeling pretty good and confident. I have a training plan, meeting my mileage, consistent with my strength training, and my body is feeling good. Yes. What is missing? Daily mobility, stretching, and yoga. She writes, I should, in all caps, know better. I spent over a year being injured. Why is it that I only consistently incorporate these things when I'm not feeling good? Why do they fall off the priority list when everything feels fine? Side note, this is big, guys, right? Kendra just is pointing the finger right at what so many of us do. We don't really think about doing mobility and having movement variety until it's too late until we've been injured, until something happens, right? So this is super common. This is part of the reason why I wanted to share this email because Kendra, you are not alone, okay? And it's part of the reason I I go so hard on the daily shakedown and movement variety and mobility because I know what it's like to suffer. (laughs) I know what it's like to be in this position to have a literal pain in your ass that won't go away and makes running impossible. And I know what it's like to be on the other side of that and not be in pain and not do the mobility stuff and have it come back. Okay. So if you fall into this camp, it's all good, 
but this is why I'm sharing this email. So she writes, I think it has something to do with not seeing the immediate results. I don't get the runner's high like I do with a good run. I don't feel the strain of increasing weight or reps or resistance like I do with strength training. If things feel good, there isn't much perceived immediate response with mobility and stretching. I totally get that. Totally get that. This is actually a pretty common reason that I hear from people as to why they don't do it because they just don't, uh, I'm going to use the, I'm going to say air quotes. They don't feel it because it's not giving them this same sensation. So Kendra is like spot on here with what she's talking about. And she goes on to say, it's more of a long-term investment. Yes. (laughs) Which can be hard for me to keep focused and make a priority. Kendra, you are not alone. Okay. She says, I don't know if any of that makes sense. Yes, it totally did. But thank you for the tough love and we'll be finding ways to ensure warmups, stretching and mobility become a part of my daily routine. Whether that is not getting my morning coffee until I stretch or not getting a treat at night until I do some movement. Obviously, I'm food driven. I'm raising my hand. Me too. Uh, Hoping your training is going well. Love listening to your episodes. Thank you, Kendra. Kendra, thank you for sending me this email. And I'm so happy that I was able to read it and share it with you guys because it's like everything I talk about encapsulated and demonstrated in one epic email. So if you know someone that's interested in getting into ultras or is training for their first ultra, please share the show with them because this is how we spread the love and we make sure that everybody is training smart and sustainably and doing all the things that are going to help them stay in the sport longer. I mean, that's really my ultimate goal is to help a more women get into ultras and B keep them here because they're just so much damn fun. Um, And they teach us so much about ourselves and they help us, I think, lead better, more fulfilling lives. So share the show with a friend. And also if you rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen to, that also helps new people find it. So thank you to all of you guys that have done that already. I read every single one of them. Uh, They make my day as well as getting emails like this, just sharing your story and telling me what you're up to, how you've implemented stuff. Um, So if you've been thinking about emailing me and telling me your story, here's your permission. Go ahead and go for it. Bring on the emails. Um, Okay. In the next episode, we're going to talk about strength training and how to work that into your ultra training plan. Don't forget go snag my 10 week, the first 10 weeks of my 50k training plan from run your first 50k and applications are open. You guys for the next round of run your first 50k. That's going to start in late April. You can get that by going to run your first 50k.com. That's where you can apply. Whew, I think we did it. <laughs> that was a lot to pack into one episode. So stay tuned for the next one. That's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I will see you all soon. Uh-oh.